This is Conquering Columbus. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. You're listening to the Conquering Columbus podcast. This is Andy here, stepping in again for Mike on the intro. On today's episode, Mike is talking with Ernest Lavert Jr., founder of the Royal Oak Chess Initiative, a nonprofit organization focused on building community through the game of chess. Early on in the show, Mike and Ernest discuss how Ernest got into chess and even how he used chess to help his clients as a financial advisor. You know, I was using chess as a metaphor all the time for explaining financial principles. An opening, you have a mid game and you have an end game. Your end game is retirement. What are you doing in your opening? Make sure your end game is set up properly. Mm -hmm. I was also helping people get ready for retirement, but I had some people coming to me in their 40s and 50s. I'm like, man, whew, let me put the numbers in the calculator. You're going to have to save $9,000 a month. Right. You know, you make 4000 So that's the math doesn't yeah, really add, doesn't up. add up. <laughs> yeah, so that's where I just realized we got to start way earlier. And most of it is mindset. So if you can get people in the mindset of thinking farther out, managing the resources, and that's where, you know, when you talk about economic efficacy over financial literacy, it's not enough to just know. You mm -hmm. have to manage all of your resources. It's not mm -hmm. just money, right? A lot of people are trading time for money. So you got to learn how to leverage your energy. You got to leverage your time. You got to leverage your social connects. All these things ultimately can transition into money, and then money converts to other things that you really want. Later, they talk about Ernest's vision for the Royal Oak Initiative and the difference between dreaming and planning. I'm a dreamer. Yeah. What I'm learning in this season of life is the difference between dreaming and planning. Mm -hmm. <laughs> dreaming mm -hmm. is just having the, the destination in mind. Right. Planning is booking the ticket, figuring out where, the, where you're going to be staying, figuring out travel expenses, buying snacks, make sure you got gas money, knowing who's going to be. Like, all of that mm -hmm. is what I'm having to do now. <laughs> and but nothing happens without the dream to start. That's the thing. Yeah, you got to know where you're going. Yeah. You, or else you'll never get there. Unless you just, like, give me the first ticket. And that's quite an interesting lifestyle. They wrap up with an interesting spin on the classic last question of the show. I don't believe in being unhealthily uncomfortable. I think it's all about navigating fear, right? Mm -hmm. It's naming the fear. Why am I afraid? And then figuring out whether the cause of that fear is real or whether you made it up. I really hope you all enjoy this interview because I definitely did while I was editing it. There's some really good takeaways in this one. That's all for me. Let's get into the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Conquering Columbus podcast. This is your co-host, Mike, here. And uh, today I'm flying solo. So Josh is out, and uh, but I'm excited to be talking with uh, a guy we met through Kwame, and uh, we'll tell you a little more about that here in a second. But uh, joining us on the show today is Ernest Levert Jr., and he is the founder of the Royal Oak Chess Initiative, a 501c3 nonprofit organization that focuses on developing community through the game of chess. What started as a biweekly meetup has grown into a community of chess enthusiasts, as well as a chess-based mentoring program, and the Royal Oak Chess Initiative recently signed a lease for a new space in Old Town East, right across from Upper Cup Coffee, where their bi-weekly meetups have been hosted historically. Ernest was also recently on our friend and Conquering Columbus's resident business lawyer, Kwame Christian's podcast, Negotiate Anything, and I highly recommend you check that out if you haven't listened to Kwame's work yet and subscribe to Kwame's podcast because it's great and he will teach you how to negotiate anything. But today we're going to be talking with Ernest about his passion for chess, how the Royal Oak Initiative came to be, and what he hopes it can grow into. Welcome to Conquering Columbus, Ernest. Hey, I appreciate you having me. Let's yeah. get to it. Appreciate you having you on the show as well. Thanks for coming in, stopping in on Tuesday evening. So one of the first places we always like to start is just get a little background on yourself, you know, how you got to Columbus and what got you into chess. Yeah, so I'm a, a son of Ohio, I would say. Uh, my mom's originally from Columbus, Ohio. My dad's originally from Cleveland. They met at Ohio State, made their way to Texas where I show up. Mm -hmm. And then when I was picking a college, they just advised going somewhere close to family. So Laying my way back in Ohio, I was really generous Ohio State, where I studied biomedical engineering. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. And I have enjoyed 
um, moving away from that system. Yeah, <laughs> I studied biology. I don't touch it anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think the the mind of a 16-year-old when trying to figure out what you're going to do with the rest of your life, there's room for opportunity. Mm-hmm. So it's been a zigzag journey, but that landed me back into the educational space. I've always been passionate about working with youth, giving back, mentoring. You know, you mentioned Kwame. That's how we met. Mm-hmm. Build a mentoring relationship there. Now we're rocking out in the chess world. Very cool. And isn't it funny? This is going to completely sidetrack us already. I'm pretty good at sidetracking us, but... It's funny how we're like, hey, it's 16, 17 years old. You look at a kid, you're like, so what do you want to do for the rest of your life? Exactly. Like, um, they're like, uh, play video games? I don't yeah. know. <laughs> Hang out with my friends? Oh, you don't, you don't know yet? That's a problem, yeah. right? Like, come yeah. on. So you come to Columbus and never leave. You go through college and you're like, hey, this is where I'm at. Yeah, it was, it was really interesting. So I won't get into the full story for the sake of time. I'll just say my interests began to shift when I was in school. Got really interested in civic engagement, mm-hmm. you know, community work. And so come out of school, kind of dropped engineering and got into the financial world. I was mm-hmm. really big on how can we help empower the people? So that's how we landed in financial services, doing financial coaching for four to five years. At the same time, I got really into church. So I'm just believing in miracles. I'm like, I can do anything. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what am I going to do with my superpowers? I'm going to give back. And so that's where the Royal Oak Initiative got started. We just started off doing some mentoring with another organization uh, just so happened that I got connected with this guy named Cornell Lewis, and they just happened to be looking to add chess to their mentoring programming. So it was perfect timing, mm-hmm. and then, uh, that's how how the chess got going. Yeah, and how did you pick up chess? Yeah, so I started playing chess, the legend goes, mm-hmm. around <laughs> probably fourth grade. I stumbled into a book fair, if uh, listeners remember those things. And I picked up a book on chess, read it, took some interest in it. One of my earliest memories is being in about fifth grade, teaching second graders how to play chess in the library. That's one thing I do remember. And then uh, in middle school, my dad got me a software program, and I just kind of went to town on that. Nowadays, we kind of rag on young folk for playing a lot of video games. I'm like, nah, we we just a little jealous because they video games yeah, are cooler than ours. Simpler, ours were simpler. <laughs> yeah, like I was going to town on Snake, you know, on, yeah. the, on the Nokia phone. So hel- I had a, that, that helicopter game. You just buzz the helicopter up and down. Yeah, yeah. You know, we're playing like little duck game on PlayStation and Sega yeah. and stuff. So you know, they was, we were doing the same thing. So I went to town on a chess. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, waking up in the middle of the night. My mom always brings that up. Was it that old Grandmaster program? There's like a Grandmaster chess program. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah I know what you're talking about. Yeah, chess master. That's how I got started. Uh, and, you know, we talked a little early about just fundamentals and mm-hmm. in-game. Like, that was really good for laying that foundation. Yeah, I have to be careful here because our listeners aren't as big a chess nerds as I am. So I could definitely get us down a chess rabbit hole. And then our listeners are going to be going, what are they talking about? We'll hold off on the chess talk until I come to the next meetup session. Let's do it. You did financial coaching, right? And so I want to dig in there a little bit and talk about kind of where that passion for civic community and supporting that cause comes from? Was there anything in particular in your life that made you really want to go that direction? Well, I feel like I've always been pretty civic oriented and civic minded. Mm-hmm. I got my Eagle Scout when I was a junior in high school. So I was in Boy Scouts from kindergarten to senior year in high school. Mm-hmm. So there's always a spirit of service. My dad ended up being my scoutmaster in middle school and high school. So we were always giving, you know, Eagle Scout project, et cetera. Beyond that, I was really involved in church. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we always were serving in different ways. So I've always been big on how do I give back? You know, I even think about how I participated in a Martin Luther King essay contest, like the last three years of my high school career. And I pretty much won first or second place each time. So I got to give a speech. So that's kind of the foundation morally, spiritually within me. You know, you think about all the quotes that we consume, like, you know, service is the rent you pay for living on the earth. And 
I was really big into quotes. I remember seventh grade, my algebra teacher used to write a quote on the board every day. And at the end of the year, I'm like, hey, can I get a the list of those quotes? Mm-hmm. And so I just got a packet of those and I would just eat those up. So philosophy has always been really interesting to me. Psychology has always been interesting and, and even sociology. So mm-hmm. if I could go back and redo college, I probably would have studied those things. Yeah. So that's where it came in, you know, where my idea of service and making the world a better place came from. Got to college and was like, okay, let's shake things up. You know, we got the movers and shakers here. Let's do some damage in the best of ways. You know, navigating, you realize not everyone thinks exactly like you. So you kind of find your, your vibe, mm-hmm. finds your tribe kind of situation. Coming out of school, that's where rubber meets the road. Like, what am I going to do? I got to make money. I got to provide for myself. Yep. Fun fact, I actually failed two classes my last semester in college. Oh, geez. So that's where that road bump kind of hit. Yep. <laughs> and I was like, okay, now my scholarship ran out. I got to make some money too. So that pivot was uh, also a landing me in financial services. Okay. And so you do that for a few years and then you get the opportunity to join that chess mentorship group, right? They actually happened pretty close together. Okay. Um, yeah. So finished up school. <laughs> Dragged myself across the finish line, December 2013, January 2014, joined the church, get connected with a pastor, Pastor Troy at uh, New Salem, who's like, yo, you should, should connect with the Expanding Visions Foundation. And that's when I got up with them. And so for the first few months, I was just partnering with them and uh, going to some of their sites. Mm-hmm. And then something dropped in my spirit. And I'm like, man, this could probably be its own organization. There's yeah. a lot of interest. There's a lot of coordination going into this. I built my own curriculum. Like, this could definitely be shopped. So uh, that's where it grew out of. At the same time, building finance. So that's where mm-hmm. the Royal Oak Initiative developed out of ROI. Obviously, your listeners would know an acronym for return on investment. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I was using chess as a metaphor all the time for explaining financial principles. Like the idea of you have a, an opening, you have a mid game, and you have an end game. Your end game is retirement. What are you doing in your opening? Make sure your end game is set up properly. Mm-hmm. Right. How do you think it moves ahead? What are your tactics and strategies? You know, so just I was using those already. And I'm like, man, I was also helping people get ready for retirement. But I had some people coming to me in their 40s and 50s. Mm -hmm. I'm like, man, let me put the numbers in the calculator. You're going to have to save $9,000 a month. Right. You know, you make 4000 So the math doesn't doesn't add up. up. (laughs) Yeah. So that's where I just realized we got to start way earlier. And most of it is mindset. So if you can get people in the mindset of thinking farther out, managing the resources. And that's where, you know, we talk about economic efficacy over financial literacy. It's not enough to just know. You Mm -hmm. have to manage all of your resources. It's not Mm -hmm. just money, right? A lot of people are trading time for money. So you got to learn how to leverage your energy. You got to leverage your time. You got to leverage your social connects. All these things ultimately can transition into money. And then money converts to other things that you really want. Right. The money enables happiness. It doesn't create happiness. Exactly. And it's interesting that you mentioned using chess as a metaphor because I use it all the time even in sales right like one of the principles that I always talk about is hey you got to prepare slowly and then strike quickly right so you build up that base and then once you're ready now you go for the win or you go for asking for the business right so chess has a lot of really good analogies and definitely a great learning tool but what I think the mindset that chess generates is curiosity right like I think everybody and one thing that I actually so this is a separate conversation about the chess community but I think there's a lot of players out there that are like hey how dare you use this non-traditional opening it's obviously terrible but they can't figure it out and they get really frustrated but that's what chess is about is like making different moves and asking questions like hey is this going to work mm-hmm. you know yeah. I think if you're really committed to the act of learning, mm-hmm. one of the first chess books that I really latched onto is uh, The Art of Learning by Josh Waitzkin, if you're familiar with that, because I really like that. That took a very philosophical approach to chess, this idea you just have to be open to whatever comes. And if you're committed to learning, then you're never going to be rigid. You're never going to be locked in. He transitions to the world of Tai Chi mm-hmm. and push hands. So if you get rigid, you're going to get flipped over and right. end up on your tail. <laughs> Our sponsor is Waveform Music Group. 
Andy and Carlin have been working with us to take the production of Conquering Columbus to the next level, and Josh and I cannot be happier with the results. Outside of podcast production, Andy and Carlin are experts in songwriting, music production, and sonic branding for companies of all sizes. And to learn more about them, head to their website, createwaveforms.com. That is createwaveforms.com, and tell them Conquering Columbus sent you. Actually, so one of the reasons I like chess a lot is because it's a lot like wrestling, right? It's one person against another person, and it's all about position and not giving away too much. And wrestling is often described like a chess match at the highest level because it's very much a battle of position. And I said I was going to try and avoid getting into chess conversations. So sorry, all you people out there who are like, hey, I don't know what they're talking about. You should try to play chess. <laughs> yeah. There's a meetup where you can learn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> How did the meetups first come about then? Because you mentioned you decided, hey, I'm going to build this into a program. I think this could be its own thing. And that's what Royal Oak Initiative comes from. But when did the meetups start happening? And when did traction really start coming through with this? Yeah. So the work of serving to cultivate interest in chess, most of us started playing chess when we were younger. And so that's how it started was just me saying, hey, I'm going to give back. But also I already had a natural and authentic interest in the game itself. Mm -hmm. There's a coffee shop here in Columbus called Upper Cup Coffee on Parsons in Old Town East. And I remember going in there probably five, six years ago at this point, and they had a chess table outside. So naturally that's like a beacon. That's like the bat signal for all chess players. Like pull up. I mean, there's a, a couple OGs in there. Mm -hmm. Shout out to Coach and Franco. They'd always be battling seven, eight times in a row in a day. They were retired, semi-retired. So that was a beacon for all of the folks who already played. They would attract people. Then I started noticing there's like probably 10 to 15 of us who all know how to play slash enjoy playing. There's really a community here. Already at this stage in my life, I started getting this bug for organizing. Mm -hmm. Organizing is this idea of bringing people together for a common cause. I feel like Columbus often glorifies people who just run themselves into the ground. Mm -hmm. Like We celebrate rugged individualism. We very much celebrate people who just give it all, like leave it all on the field, which sounds good. That's just not sustainable. Yeah. So I saw a lot of people going, you know, 5 a.m. to midnight, mm -hmm. ruining relationships, ruining their health. And so I just started feeling bad for them. I'm like, man, how can we support each other? How can we help each other? How can we galvanize around supporting one another? So that's where like this idea of organizing, we need more people came from. How do we find common interests among folks so we're not always doing things by ourselves? And then, you know, that pivots right into chess. Mm -hmm. That a lot of people love playing chess online. Yep. But there's a whole community of people in Columbus specifically, but also in the world. I have this random theory arbitrarily that one out of 10 people knows how to play chess. I could say, yeah. I mean, how many people are in chess.com? I think it's like, I think they got a billion. So yeah, it's, it's a lot of people. And in Columbus, I would say that's, Roughly it. And so to your question around how did the meetups happen, one, it was just organic. It was mm -hmm. saying, hey, let's just actually it, now that I reflect on it, I was frustrated because I'd pull up at the coffee shop and they'd be in the middle of a game and I got another meeting to go to. And I'm like, can y'all let me know next time we're going to be playing right. so I can be here? <laughs> yeah. And I was like, can y'all schedule a time? And no one really took it upon themselves to schedule. So that's when I was like, OK, let's organize mm -hmm. let's schedule it. So we did a tournament in December of 2019, and we just put a sign up on a wall. And the goal was to get regulars to engage. We mm -hmm. put on a wall, like 40 people signed up. Jeez. We were like, uh, whoa. That's more than we thought. <laughs> yeah, but by the time it actually happened, about 12 people showed up, and I still see them to this day. So mm -hmm. that idea of building community and identifying an opportunity, like that was really an eye-opening experience for me. So that's where it's been building off of. Mm -hmm. After the tournament, there was a lot of people who I never met until then, and I was like, hey, we got to keep this going. Let's connect. So... Um, obviously, COVID hits, so we chill yep. out there. But 2021 was when it kicked back up. Mm -hmm. And also, by this point, there's a lot of people who are saying, hey, I really love what you're doing with the chess mentoring for the youth. One of my biggest principles and things I advocate for is that we believe in families playing mm -hmm. chess, not just kids. Yep. 
People are like, I guess I'm okay with focusing on youth, but one of my standards is that if you want your kids to do something, you need to model that behavior. You want your kids to enjoy learning, you need to show them what learning looks like. If mm-hmm. you want your kids to be active, you need to be active, right? That's just role modeling it itself. So that's how it all came to be. At first, when I started, I was like, we're going to do this weekly. Mm-mm. That got to be way too much. <laughs> I was like, I need a break because this was on Sundays. Yep. I also got a feel for the flow of the coffee shop. There's a, a rush around two o'clock and it doesn't really fall off until about three, four o'clock. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we were up there competing. And because of the interest, <laughs> people know I just text everybody every yeah. two weeks and the list built, you know, sometimes it would be just me there. And then now lately we've been having 40, 50, 60 people at each meetup. And thus we come to need, need a different space. Right. Exactly. There's an article with you recently in Alive and you talk about kind of how it just kind of serendipitously happened. And you look across the street and there's a uh, there's a place for rent. When you first started all that, did you ever imagine that you'd be renting out a space in Old Town East for the chess meetups? Or is this kind of something where you're like, hey, do you plan this stuff ahead or is, are you just kind of going and saying, hey, look, whoever we get bring in here. Great. And we'll go with the flow. Or do you have a vision for that that far? Yeah, I kind of live my life the way I play chess. People are like, oh, you got to think moves ahead to play chess. And I'm like, yeah, kind of. But there's a lot of natural skill in that. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not the one calculating variations and mm-hmm. I don't do all that. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. It's really satisfying playing people who do all that and then mm-hmm. I still win. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, you wasted all that mental energy. Right. To the idea of like serendipitously happening, kind of. But I had also envisioned it happening, right? Mm-hmm. I've learned about the St. Louis Chess Club. They're going through a massive renovation. I think it's going to be over like 15, 20,000 square feet. Yeah. Just for chess. St. Louis is the American capital of chess. You know, mm-hmm. they have a massive chess piece, the largest chess piece, I think, in the world. So I visited there last year for my birthday. So obviously I'm being, getting inspired and I'm an innovator. Like I can combine different things. Yep. There have been some transitions across the street as well. You know, we're playing chess outside, especially when it's warm all the time. So I'm seeing when one store transitions in and out. Mm-hmm. That's how we knew that it was possible. I actually took a picture of it and put it in my goals and dreams album. Yeah. And so you can't say you're not a planner when you get a goals and dreams album. I'm a dreamer. Yeah. What I'm learning in this season of life is the difference between dreaming and planning. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Dreaming Mm -hmm. is just having the the destination in mind. Planning is booking the ticket, figuring out where where you're going to be staying, figuring out travel expenses, buying snacks, make sure you got gas money, knowing who's going to be like all of that Mm -hmm. is what I'm having to do now. They, yep. And but nothing happens without the dream to start. That's the thing. Yeah, you got to know where you're going. Yeah. You, or else you'll never get there unless you just like give me the first ticket. And that's quite an interesting lifestyle. I'm going to kind of pivot here because one of the things I'm curious about, again, going back to that article from Alive I read, you were talking about the importance of representation, not just in chess, but in anything. So what I'm curious about is with your youth mentoring program, is it hard to get people to sign up for that and check chess out, especially if they haven't seen people that look like them playing chess? So I don't think it's been difficult to get folk and to name them specifically. You know, out of 1,500 plus grandmasters in the world, only four or five are of African descent. That's less than half a percent, knowing that a majority of the world is black and brown. Mm -hmm. So now we start bringing in the dynamics that for people who are curious, like, how does this work? Why is this the case? And what I found is that it's not that people don't necessarily participate, specifically people of African descent. Everybody plays chess from every walk of life. That's one of the things I love about it. It's played in every country in the world. There's over 180 member federations in the World Chess Federation. You know, some of the best chess players came from Cuba, Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh, you know, came from Europe, came from Asia, you know, India, all these places. But then when you look at competitive chess and what yeah. I like to call is corporate chess, <laughs> then you start bringing in some other dynamics that people are paying $100 an hour sometimes for lessons from grandmasters. People are really investing, I'll say, in chess in certain communities the way other people invest in hockey or lacrosse or football, right? There are some people who really value it. And so there's a lot more pressure put on competing in it. Mm-hmm. And it's also exposure, right? Like, you know, we talked a little bit earlier. I came up playing chess, but I didn't know about 
tournaments mm-hmm. until I got to college. Yep. And I'm from Dallas, right? The University of Texas at Dallas gives full ride scholarships for some of the top chess players. Jeez. Right. I'm pretty sure there's a couple other schools in Texas that give away scholarships too. Who knows? Like I'm grateful for my journey, but you know, having been decent, I was probably one of the best, if not the best, chess player in my school. Mm-hmm. At least the ones who came to chess club, because you know, if right. anyone from my high school hears this, they're gonna be like, wait, I'm way better than Earn. <laughs> uh, allegedly. And so as far as representation, people have always been interested. People just have to overcome some of their own stigmas, their own mm-hmm. intimidation around the game, and then also be okay with stepping into a space where you get exposed. Yeah. The easiest thing I've been able to do is to, like I said, innovate and pull different aspects of culture forward that people are already interested in. Mm-hmm. An example, I had some of the best chess players in the city come out. Finally, I've been working on these dudes. You're talking about being persistent. I've been working yeah. on these folk for a minute. And they came out, they're like, this is the first chess club I've ever been to with music playing. And I'm like, yeah, it, we turn it into to a chess club like it's, yeah, it's, 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 you know we rocking out we playing some 90s rb we playing some bad bunny some reggaeton right we were playing all sorts of stuff and it makes you feel like a cookout it makes you feel like mm-hmm. a family reunion vibe you know people are coming with their kids and i got three rules that i put out all the time one is you need to know the name of your partner right it's about community building don't tell me this to do it in the blue hat you need to know his name is mike right like you need to know these people's names and i always challenge them to make sure you meet everybody in the room that you don't know Yep. And that alone changes the whole vibe. Mm-hmm. Second thing is no one leaves without an L. Yeah. One of the biggest issues I see is because of how chess has been marketed as a super intelligent game, mm-hmm. people are afraid that if they play chess and lose, they're going to look stupid. Mm-hmm. Some people don't absorb that kind of limiting behavior when they're growing up. They're just like, whatever, I failed. So what? They got right. more of a growth mindset. Some people got more of a fixed mindset. If I'm not good at this, I'm never going to be good at it. Yep. And I don't want to get exposed for it. So what I do is I just dead dead at the door and I say, everyone leaves with an L. If you have not got an L, come see me and either I'll give you one or I'll find someone that will get you. Yeah. And that's been a really cool experience. I think that's what's attracted people from every level. Some people, that's really cool. Some people walk in who have never played before and you can just see in people's eyes. They're like, no, I'm good. I'm like, no, come in. Like, mm-hmm. And then that's the third rule is that everybody starts somewhere. Yep. Teach what you know and learn as you go. Mm-hmm. Everyone is expected to teach. Now, what we're going to work on is how you teach. But right. everyone, I don't care how good you are, especially working with some of the students, uh, they're like, man, why well, I got to teach Coach Earn? I said, because you, if you can't teach it, you don't really know it. Mm-hmm. That's not necessarily true. There's some people who are really good at things and they can't explain it. But if the standard was you share the wisdom, share what you know. We're kind of in a society where we hoard the things we know. We got to patent and trademark it and copyright it. And we understand because people will try to steal your stuff, mm-hmm. right? And they'll try to leverage it and make good off of it. But we believe in sharing our wisdom, sharing our power, sharing the things we have. And that changes the whole environment, which makes it very welcoming. Now where I got five, 600 people that I can reach out to, you know, we're still hitting that 10% number. Hey, everybody, Mike here. We're going to take a quick break to talk about one of our sponsors, One Columbus. And we are very excited to partner with One Columbus. They really, really share the same vision as us here at the Conquering Columbus podcast, which is uh, really building up the Columbus region to be one of the most prosperous regions in the United States. And One Columbus serves as the business location resource for companies across central Ohio and around the world as those companies grow, innovate, and compete within the global economy. And they help us lead a regional growth strategy that develops and attracts the world's most competitive companies companies, it grows a highly adaptive workforce and prepares our communities for the future, inspiring innovation across the board. Their mission really is just ensuring the Columbus region is a vibrant place to build businesses and careers. So again, we really appreciate all of their support. You want to learn more about them, go check out their website, columbusregion.com. That's columbusregion.com. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll be right back into the episode. Going back to that vision board, what do you hope Royal Oak Initiative becomes? So I tell everybody right now, 
is uh, let's lock in Franklin County first. Mm -hmm. Let's make sure that everybody in Franklin County has learned the game of chess. That's my first standard. Like anyone who has never played chess before, let's reach them first. Because one of the things I recognize is I feel like people try to grow too fast. And when we're trying to change the culture, I want to make sure that everybody in Franklin County specifically has access to the game. Mm -hmm. There are some folk who have had consistent, uninterrupted access to programming. And you see this relate to their reading scores, their math scores, their patience, their focus, and also just how they relate to the game, how they relate to losing. And so that's our focus. At some point, I do think that once we get our feet underneath us and our foundation as a business, right, that's kind of the transition we're in is going from a program to an organization to a business, right, where we got to scale. We got to look at bringing on staff. We got to look at liability and expansion and all these things. The difference between dreaming and planning. At some point, I could see myself supporting other communities. You know, mm -hmm. I've had people say, oh, Ern, you got to come back to Dallas. You got to come out to Kansas. You got to come out to Michigan, whatever, and provide this flavor of chess. And we're seeing more of this pop up across the country, which is really nice. So I'm like, yo, if you got someone there who can do it, go and knock that out. Yep. But as for me, the goal is just to relate and to make sure they folk right where I'm at get it, and then we'll see where it goes from there. So if our listeners out there are listening, first off, if they want to play chess or they never played chess or they want to just join the meetup, where should they go to look up when that is and find that information? Yeah, so in order to stay connected with us, again, the organization is the Royal Oak Initiative, ROI. You can go to our website, which is theroichess.org. Uh, shout out to the Ohio State University. Mm -hmm. But it's T-H-E-R-O-I chess.org. Same thing on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, T-H-E-R-O-I-C-H-E-S-S. -S. That's the easiest way to follow us. And also we do meetups currently on second and fourth Sundays right across from Upper Cup at 80 Parsons Avenue. That's our new location. The Cooperative Chess Cultural Center, what we like to call the Fork. For chess mm -hmm. aficionados, you will appreciate the fork is a tactic in chess where you can accomplish multiple things with one move, a.k.a. you're attacking multiple pieces or multiple squares with one move. Knight's tricky. Yep. Knife fork. My favorite is the pawn fork. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was playing in one game. Quick, nerdy side note. I was playing in a game, and I forked a queen and a king with a pawn. <laughs> and I was just like... Blew my mind. I took a picture of it and everything. So yeah. anyways, forks are all about helping people navigate the toughest choices in their lives. Mm -hmm. And if you can start small on a chessboard, it's a lot easier when you get to the real game. Yeah. The other question is, how can people support the Royal Oak Initiative? Yeah. The best thing I tell everybody, the first thing you can do is to just play. Mm -hmm. Play some chess. Engage with other people in your life who enjoy playing. And challenge yourself to do it as well. Right? A lot of folk are starting to get hip to the game off of Queen's Gambit or whatever mm -hmm. is going on. Also, people are paying attention because it can help prevent Alzheimer's and dementia. That's what some studies are showing. So I say first thing you do is play and then come into our spaces. We do our meetups on second and fourth Sundays. So you can pull up there four to eight o'clock, second and fourth Sundays. Our next one is actually April 24th. And then we'll do it every second and fourth Sunday after that. And then the third is to volunteer and donate. You know, yep. we're, we're really excited about expanding the programming. Chess boards ain't free. <laughs> yeah. And we want to make sure that not only do students have access to materials at their schools, libraries, rec centers, but also one that they can take home. Mm -hmm. You know, I've seen kids light up. Kids that were like, man, I don't want to play no chess. And then I give them a chess board and they're like a little kid at Christmas. Yeah. Which is just my blogging to me. Mm -hmm. I was at a chess club early today and one of the girls, she got a chess board for her birthday like two years ago. She's like, now I can finally use it. Right. You know, so um, I'll say volunteering is going to be really, really exciting. We have a volunteer form on our website mm -hmm. and donating. You know, we're looking for specifically company sponsors who can sponsor some clubs. Okay. You know, think about you went to school at Beechcroft or you went to school at Eastmore. Sponsor the chess club there, mm -hmm. right? Throw a couple thousand dollars there. That way they can compete at the state level, national level. You know, we got the National Elementary School Chess Championship coming up here in Columbus. They just had the Middle School Chess Championship. They have all these things. Let's put all of our students in position to compete as a team, looking good, feeling good, mm -hmm. um, and representing. For some students, that's the first time they get out of state. Yeah. Some of them might get a chance to travel out of the country playing chess. Mm -hmm. You know, and if football ain't your ticket, if hockey ain't your ticket, if debate team ain't your ticket, maybe chess could be. You know? Yeah, and they can find out where all that is on the website, right? 
for sure. The ROI chess.org. The. The ROI chess.org. That's what I like. Ernest, it's been great talking to you. I think this is a good place to kind of head towards some of our last questions of the show here. And first one is, do you have any advice for our listeners out there? And again, these are folks that are just listening. They love hearing what people are doing in Columbus. A lot of them might be entrepreneurial minded, looking to do their own thing. So any advice for them out there? Yeah, I would just say, have fun. I mm-hmm. say, try everything twice. I say, you always got to have at least two data points to start forming a pattern. First time you might try something, you might make this is whack. I had a terrible time, but it might have been a fluke or vice versa. You might have said, this is great. I'm in love. First date went great. And then the second day you're like, whoa, what did I just get into? So I say, try everything twice. Stay curious and listen to your inner voice. Mm -hmm. A lot of times it takes mindfulness. It takes meditation. It takes a lot of presence to hear the inner voice that says, "Mm, you should probably go left. That's a lot of what my life has been is in that moment, even when we got the building, we had so many people. I was like, I need to go step outside. Mm-hmm. The inner voice was like, go step aside. And then that's when I saw the space and I'm like, boom, then in two weeks we signed for it. A lot of times that little inner voice will tell you where to go. So I'll say that's the best advice I got. Yeah, I think it's solid. The last question of our show, Ernest, is centered around the theme here on Conquering Columbus, which is live uncomfortably. Without telling you too much about why we chose that phrase for our show, what does it make you think of? How does it apply to your life and career? What a wonderful question. So live uncomfortably. I would say... For me, it's all about doing the thing where you can grow the most. Mm-hmm. You know, even for example, I had a situation this weekend where I could have very much just locked into doing work and focused on what I knew I should have been doing, but I would have missed out on an opportunity to grow some relationships, an opportunity to get some experiences. And so often you find yourself when you're most uncomfortable in mm-hmm. a healthy way, yep. that's when you can grow the most. I don't believe in being unhealthily uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, I could agree with that. You know what I mean? right? Yeah, but, it's, it's a... There's bad discomfort and there's good discomfort. I think it's all about navigating fear, Mm -hmm. right? It's naming the fear. Why am I afraid? And then figuring out whether the cause of that fear is real or whether you made it up. Yeah, Ernest, thanks so much for joining us on the show today. It's been great having you. Appreciate you, Mike. Yeah. Checkmate. Checkmate, that's right. And (laughs) Conquerors, thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed that episode, you want to learn more about ROI Chess, again, check out theroichess.org. And uh, we'll also have some links wherever we post this on social. We'll tag them in it so you can learn more about them. And appreciate you tuning in. As always, thanks so much. If you hit that subscribe button for us, it really does help us support. And you'll get to hear more interviews like this every week. We'll talk to you next week. Bye.